Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning on this Wednesday. I'm Paul filling in again for Carmen here on Faith Radio. Just uh, responded back to Laura from Connecticut. She uh, was talking about the conversation had yesterday with James Bryan Smith around Rich Mullins and his book about Rich. Uh, Laura said, so enjoyed the conversation. I downloaded the audiobook this morning and I'm going to use it as a way to kick off Lent, which, yeah, Ash Wednesday. Lent starts today. Doing anything special this Lenten season? Anything different or Okay, maybe it's something the same, but a new emphasis for you. I'd love to hear what you're doing this morning. And this isn't going to be a brag fest. This isn't going to be a brag fest. I'm not going to say, hey, uh, uh, Joe, thank you. No, no, this is just maybe what you're doing will encourage someone else. So why not encourage somebody else in their spiritual walk today? Let me know what you're doing. Text me what you're doing special for this Lenten season, if you are, 877-933-2484. Looking at our Growing Your Faith verse of the day, Ezekiel 9-4, where it says, Go through the city, through Jerusalem, mark the foreheads of those who sigh and groan because of all the detestable practices that they have conducted in it. Okay, this is Ash Wednesday, and maybe you're from a faith tradition that practices the placing of ashes on the forehead. While this verse does not address this Christian practice, it does speak to the heart of the issue today. If you spend time in Ezekiel, there there are several visions that Ezekiel the prophet is taken on. This one It starts with this brilliant angelic being taking Ezekiel, who was in exile in Babylon, on this vision to Jerusalem and to the temple. Now, the word abomination is used repeatedly. The people living in ways that were naturally destructive, they were breaking God's laws, they were living in ways that so deeply offended God, including idols in God's temple. And most of the people were doing this joyfully. Most, but not everybody. Some were brokenhearted about what was happening. They knew these activities were against God's law and design, and they knew God was offended, and they grieved. Ezekiel also saw in this vision six very scary-looking guys. They were called executioners. Then the Lord said to this angelic being who was Ezekiel's escort, go through the city, through Jerusalem, mark the foreheads of those who sigh and groan because of all the detestable practices that have been conducted in it. Then the executioners were sent to strike down everyone except those born, or rather those who bore the mark of repentance and grieving. So again, Ash Wednesday, even if you don't have ashes placed on your forehead, Do you grieve your sins? Does the brokenness and sinfulness of our world around you cause you to grieve? Now, as a child, when I was younger, going to Ash Wednesday services, 
When the minister placed the ashes on my forehead, I remember him saying the statement God pronounced over Adam after he and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit. And God cursed them. And among those curses, God said, from ashes you came, Adam, to ashes you shall return. Adam's sin condemned him and the rest of us to death, to return to the ashes from which his body was made. We wear those ashes much like those who grieve in Ezekiel. We mourn our sins. We know they are not the good way to walk in. But just as the executioners in Ezekiel's vision were passing over those who were repentant, who grieved, we live in hope for our sins being passed over too. Because as we start Lent today, as we look toward the, we, we can look toward the end of Lent to Good Friday when the perfect lamb would bear our sins for us. So yes, grieve your sins today. Mourn, but look forward to the coming Redeemer. As we take a few moments to pray the news, grieving, I guess, is the word for people in Cleveland right now. Yesterday, that uh, explosion at a copper plant that killed one, injured 13 others. This has not been a good month for the people of Ohio. Earlier this month, there was that massive train derailment near East Palestine. uh, Palestine. Palestine. There we go. Yes. Well, Yesterday, the Environmental Protection Agency told Norfolk Southern, the large container rail network whose trains derailed, to clean up any contaminated air and water in East Palestine and repay the federal government for all the cleanup they've already done. The agency said it would uh, do the cleanup itself if Norfolk Southern refused, but then would charge the company triple. You know, what could have been done to prevent that disaster? The reality is Norfolk Southern and other freight rail companies resisted some efforts to make their rail cars safer, especially those carrying hazardous chemicals and petroleum. And now look at what the people, well, their company will be paying dearly, and the people of Ohio have been paying dearly. We're going to talk to Jeff Bilbro here in just a moment. He's from the Front Porch Republic, and, um, yeah, we want to look at that and other stuff that you'll find at uh, the water... The Water Dipper blog, I keep wanting to add an R in there, Water Dipper blog, that's part of French Porch Republic that uh, Jeff helps to uh, aggregate. That's coming up next. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. Are you like me when you hear about a lot of government regulation, you kind of bristle? (laughs) I'm Paul here on Faith Radio filling in for Carmen. Yeah, some regulations, some rules can seem arbitrary and actually counter to what really does work and how businesses or people thrive. But then events happen like the train derailment in Ohio a couple of weeks ago, and an event that may have been prevented or minimized of certain proposed regulations about a decade ago were put into place. Joining me right now, Jeff Bilbro, who is a professor at Grove City College, as well as uh, one of the editors at Front Porch Republic, and he he's the one who brings us the Water Dipper blog. Hey, Jeff, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, Paul, good morning. Good morning. Now, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, but uh, about Front Porch Republic. Now, it, it's a magazine, website. 
what is the mission of Front Porch Republic? If you're to give the, you know, the 97, well, okay, let's make it a 30-second uh, elevator pitch. <laughs> what would you tell people? Yeah, I guess our tagline is place, limits, and liberty. And um, so we're interested in localism, uh, what, what makes healthy places and healthy communities. Um, most of our contributors are, are Christians and interested in kind of the connections between local communities and local churches. Um, and, uh, and, and kind of critiquing the aspects of our culture and economy that, uh, tend to harm, uh, communities and, uh, instead centralize power and profits. Mm, yeah. And I think that that very mission is one of the reasons you wanted to address this. And you put up an article in your Water Dipper blog from this past Saturday about rail companies block safety rules before Ohio derailment. Now, it's not your article, but you find these great articles that really prod us to think. Tell us about this article. Yeah, I mean, I think you put it well in your intro that uh, uh, most people are a big fan of government regulations. And uh the sad reality is that oftentimes it's it's these large corporations that have the most say in shaping those regulations, uh, often to to the detriment of smaller companies or uh, workers or communities. And so, um, these rules about uh, re- fitting all these large uh, freight uh, trains with advanced braking systems got. Uh, got stalled because of the, the cost it would be to install them. But obviously, the cost to install these systems uh, is a fraction of the cost that's going to go to these cleanups. No question. Um, yeah. And also, the, you know, the, the rulings that were in the news just last year about um, kind of reducing employees on these trains, inducing a number of operators to save the corporation's money. But then uh, it's, it's difficult uh, for the workers, right? They don't get enough sleep. And uh, they have to kind of cut these corners. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I back in 2013. Now, this is about the same time these rail regulations were talked about. Yep. Um, okay, I was living in Fargo. I was working at, uh, ra- uh, well, a sister station of Faith Radio up in the Fargo area. And late December, right before New Year's, there was this massive derailment of an oil train near Castleton, which is just 20 miles to the west of Fargo. Huge explosion, and the city, most of the city had to be evacuated for a time. And that was one of the things that kind of prompted people to think about this. But then things got, as you said, as far as putting these regulations, derailed. It's funny, too, because in the article it talks about um, how, I think it was Norfolk Southern, they said, well, we have this other type of, um, braking system we're really proud of we're going to be installing and they never did yeah <laughs> they had the technology developed and then decided it wasn't worth the, the installation costs yeah and i think some of the some of the high profile uh crashes with oil products petroleum products because that gets uh trained a lot now those resulted in some more strict regulations on those types of loads mm-hmm. uh but obviously, some chemicals that are even more toxic um, somehow escaped being labeled as hazardous and so got to be transported under these more lenient laws. I mean, I think this train that derailed was over a mile long. Right? Yeah. So there are these huge trains, and, and that's why if one car has a problem, uh, it's really hard to stop and the, the consequences quickly uh, ramify. Yeah, 150 car 
train. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up I grew up near Elk River, Minnesota, and you know, you, there was a major rail line that went be, went through right through the downtown area, and oftentimes you're sitting there and you know, my dad would turn off the engine. He knew, well, we're going to be here a while. <laughs> It's like zoom yep. zoom, and we just we just played the game count the cars while we're waiting. But yeah, but when that goes through a community like it did with the East Palatine, if there's a derailment, man, the the ramifications are have been huge. Yeah. So yeah. definitely keep that in prayer. Well, we're going to continue in just a moment. Now, I don't know about you, the way we use words lately is just kind of weird. How many times have you ever said my bad? Guilty, I've done that. And really, that is not only bad English, it just shows in some ways a degrading of our words. We're going to talk about that with Jeff in just a few moments. Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Well, again, thanks for joining us on this Ash Wednesday. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen on Faith Radio. And if there's something you're doing special this year, maybe it's something you've done many times, but it's still something you find value in as a as a practice during the Lenten season, I'd love to know what you're doing. So tell you what, uh, text me and let me know, 877-933-2484. I'll keep you anonymous. This isn't brag fest stuff. This is just encouraging one another onto good works and also seeking God more deeply during this Lenten season. Hey, Jeff, do you um, have anything special you do during Lent? Yeah, one of the things I like to do, and this might actually tie into our next uh, topic here, is uh, read through Malcolm Geith's um, Word in the Wilderness, which is a kind of a collection of poems. And and he uh, has one per day of of Lent and Easter and has these lovely short meditations on them. Malcolm Geitz? Yeah, G-U-I-T-E. Okay, I'll have to check into this. That's That sounds unique. I like that. Yeah. Of course, you're a word person to begin with, aren't you? True. Yeah, because, I mean, what, what do you teach at Grove City? I teach English. <laughs> there so. you go. So yeah. words are important, and unfortunately, uh, people don't see their importance, do they? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we live in a culture of lots of words and uh, very disposable, disposable language that's meant to be not thought about carefully, and and uh, there are consequences for talking that way. There is, and you bring that out with one of the articles you shared this past weekend um, by Paul Pastor. This was at uh, Christianity Today. Words are holy, so why do we talk like they? Are? Why don't we talk like they are? Flesh out what he's yeah. what he's uh, saying. Yeah, he talks about words as a kind of you know ecological resource that if uh, there, there are commons, so if some people talk um, uh, in ways that damage or degrade language, then we all suffer, right? He says uh, healthy language like clean air or water is something we take for granted until it gones, uh, and if language falls, so do uncountable other things upon which human well-being depends. And so, yeah, he he makes a case for. Um, remembering that as Christians um, who proclaim the word made flesh, language is holy, and that should filter down into how we talk to one another and how we um, uh, speak and write in, in social media, other forms. 
And, and his argument, I think, in many ways parallels a great book by Marilyn McIntyre called Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies that I assign to my students every semester mm. because uh, it's, a, it's a whole kind of uh, imaginative reorientation that's needed to remember the, the great responsibility that we have as um, listeners and speakers and try to exercise that responsibility in ways that um, yeah, benefit the common language that we all depend upon to make sense of the world. I'm trying to pull two threads together because as you were talking, I was thinking, first of all, Tower of Babel, and yep. people had this unified language, and because they had that unified language, they were, well, doing a lot of great things, but they're opposing God in the process, but they still were organized, and then God scattered them, you know, by, by confusing the languages, and then the idea of having a language, as you mentioned, a commons, then you've got to assume some common meanings, but in today's um, in today's hyper-individualistic culture, I can define what that word means. I can, and, and this goes in a lot of different directions. It's not just you know uh, stuff around progressive movements. This happens on both sides of the uh, the political spectrum, if you wish. I mean, words get twisted like crazy to hide what really is happening. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So even if uh, even post Babel or especially post Babel, we still use language to try to um, control other people and uh, exalt our own our own ends rather than as, as Paul talks about um, using language to cherish other people and to, to care for other people. And I think that distinction between whether we're using words to, to build ourselves up or we're using words to honor God and, uh, and love others is, is pretty central. Mm. We're talking again with Jeff Bilbro from Grove City College, as well as one of the editors at uh, at Front Porch Republic and his uh, Water Dipper blog, where he aggregates a lot of interesting articles, and including another one from from uh, uh, what is it, Kings, Paul Kingsnorth, which was really interesting, I thought. But I wanted to focus on a few others today. One more. We have just time for one more. And this is a Matt Loftus uh, article talking about has America gone too far in legalizing vice? And what is he getting at? Yeah, Matthew talks in this Atlantic piece about how uh, the legalization of sports betting and gambling and and the growing legalization of marijuana uh, is in some ways a natural outcome of our kind of libertarian uh, notion of, of lawmaking. But these aren't neutral freedoms and uh when we normalize um unhealthy behaviors like drug addiction or like gambling uh makes it really hard for people who who struggle with these temptations to um to flourish and to to practice temperance (laughs) so we're making it harder for people to live well um by normalizing these kind of behaviors I was uh, thinking about this after reading it and going, okay, we do struggle, you're right, between the libertarian viewpoint and also just our own, again, hyper-individualism. We want to do what we want to do and be what we want to be and stuff like that. And I have a right to do it is kind of the argument because I'm not hurting anybody else. So if I'm not hurting anybody else, I have the right to do it even if it hurts me. And I don't care. And that's kind of a negative freedom, Um, basically the right to do whatever. But – this other article I was reading was trying to put that in juxtaposition to a more Christian viewpoint of freedom, and that's a positive freedom. 
not only free to do what you want, but be, being free to do what you know brings flourishing, which would be of benefit to yourself and others. And, and the key Bible verse to that is Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery because, okay, if you want to indulge in things that are destructive, sinful behaviors, you know, the marijuana, the gambling, prostitution, so on and so forth, in the end, you're not free anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. And kind of recovering that broader Christian notion of freedom as the um, ability and the capacity to um, to act in the ways that God has called us to act and to become the people God has made us to be. That's hard in an age that uh, understands freedom simply in terms of being able to do whatever you want. But, but as Christians, <laughs> we know that our desires are often wrong and we need the church, we need uh, revelation, we need help. In, uh, in orienting our misdirected loves and and actually becoming freedom. We don't, we don't begin free. Freedom is a, is a gift that God gives us uh, when we obey and follow him. Exactly. I do want to highlight one article. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, one of your fellow writers there at the Front Porch Republic, uh, Christine Norville, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, with this being Black History Month, she has a great article about Booker T. Washington, devotion to whole education that uh, we don't have time to talk about. Oh, actually, maybe you can give a quick, like, 30-second summary, th- uh, one minute. Sure, yeah. She she looks to some of his evening talks that he gave um, at his school there and kind of his view of education as not just uh, foreign people's heads, but also, again, uh, forming their their hearts and their affections so that they would um, you know, flourish as, as people. He really cared about his students as people and not just, um, you know, seeing them in terms of their tuition dollars. So I think his educational vision remains quite uh, compelling and inspirational today. Exactly. Well, we'll have all this up, uh, these uh, articles linked on our show notes. Otherwise, if you go to uh, the Front Porch Republic, uh, their website, frontporchrepublic.com, and look up the Water Dipper uh, uh, blog, you'll get this and many more that uh, that Jeff aggregates every week. And so, again, Jeff, thank you for joining us. We, we really do appreciate you being a conversation partner on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Paul. I enjoyed talking. Ah, me too. This is Mornings with Carmen, and we'll uh, be back after we hear from Max Lucado. Well, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in again today. Uh, she'll be back on Monday. Well, today, Ash Wednesday, the start of Lent. For some people, it does mean fasting or abstaining from certain things, including maybe something sweet. It, it always interested me. It, it comes out about the same time as Lent happens, but because, you know, it's a spring thing. And with March, St. Patrick's Day, yes, McDonald's does have their shamrock shakes back for a limited time, including their Oreo shamrock McFlurry, which sounds pretty good. But uh, if you're abstaining from that sort of thing, it's like, really? I should have gone yesterday, right? Also, of course, if you've been walking in and out of stores or maybe on Saturday you're, you're noticing a young lady pulling a cart of Girl Scout cookies. That's always hard as well. Of course, with Girl Scout cookies, at least you can freeze those. And they stay good. They stay good. So you, you just kind of wait until 
after Lent. Uh, some other news, and this is a more serious thing to definitely be in prayer about, the situation in Turkey and Syria, along the Turkey-Syria border. We're going to talk about that in just a bit here with Ruth Kramer. But in the news, um, now this whole earthquake has been, it seems to be undermining the Kurdish president Erdogan's re-election strategy. Two weeks have passed since that deadly series of earthquakes, and actually a few more just a couple of days ago, some strong ones. Destroying 10 provinces in the country's southeast, death toll they're assuming between the two countries could pass 100,000. And not just, you know, lives lost, but homes and livelihoods as well. And the president of Turkey, Erdogan, he seems to be more concerned about the disastrous political fallout than aiding the victims. And now there's a blowback on that. And there have been concerns because Erdogan has been really hard on minority religions, including Christianity in that country. You know, after a couple more strong quakes amid all this, the church has been active in offering hope and relief. And we're going to talk about that in about three minutes with Ruth Kramer, one of our regular guests here on Faith Radio. With She's from Mission Network News. So stay with us. Again, Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Again, thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in this week. And Ruth Kramer joining us now from Mission Network News. Hey, Ruth, thanks again for joining us. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. And uh, I, I, do you say happy Ash Wednesday? It doesn't sound right. It doesn't. It's, 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 a time of, it's a time of sorrow. And you don't say happy Ash Wednesday or happy Lent. It, it, but... Hopefully you have a blessed Lenten season. Maybe that's the best way of saying it. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'm talking myself to a quarter, aren't I, Ruth? <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm sure there's a greeting. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Maybe somebody knows. Text at 877-933-2484. Well, I love the fact you keep an eye on what's happening in the world, what God is doing in the it, through the church in the world, and also the needs like, and I mentioned this earlier this week because I saw the news break on Monday, but we've been praying for, thinking about a uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship pilot, Ryan Coer, and he was in the news again, and not good news, unfortunately. Right. Well, a couple weeks ago, uh, he had a bail hearing, and the judge denied his bail, uh, for not only his, but also the two South African men who were detained alongside uh, alongside him. Um, for folks who are not familiar with what's been going on, uh, Ryan Coer, an American pilot, and two South African men were detained uh, in a security sweep of sorts while they were trying to get some um, supplies cleared for a drop-off to an orphanage in Mozambique. And they were accused of supporting terrorists. Um, supplies that uh, they were bringing in are typical of what you would see being taken into some of the camps and things like that to uh, help sustain the health of the uh, terror fighters, the terrorists. Um, so the government flagged the shipment and they arrested the pilots and uh, the pilot and, his, and the two that were with him and they've been basically in uh, in a high security prison since then. Um, the last report we had indicated that the that Ryan Coer had been actually moved into like a general security 
So that was an improvement. Um, the, of course, the the word that he was denied bail was very discouraging. Um, mm-hmm. We had an opportunity to talk to his wife and just kind of get a perspective a little bit about what's going on. And she's basically saying, um, even though he was very discouraged and has had some health issues uh, while he's been in detention, especially after the, the uh, bail being denied, um, he is encouraged that believers are praying for him. Um, he is encouraged to know that the global body is coming around him. Um, in fact, MAF held a global day of prayer on February 15th to pray for the coer situation. Um, and we're praying that there's a, you know, the, the log jam there is going to be moved. Um, the investigation by the prosecutor is supposed to wrap up by the end of the month, hopefully beginning of next month, we're going to know what the next steps are going to be, whether or not he's going to continue to pursue the case. Um, maybe the charges will, the charges will be dismissed. Obviously, that's what everybody's been praying for. Um, and the other good news is that he has been able to receive some visitors. So good. there was uh, an official from the U.S. Embassy who visited him earlier in the week and actually was able to deliver a couple of things that would make life in this prison a little bit more livable um he got a mattress cover you know <laughs> and, and you wouldn't think that that was a thing but he's got he's got a situation where i think he's being bitten because he's got a lot of itching yeah. and he can't get sleep and so mattress cover is a good thing um other items that maf was able to get in there and and kind of make his life a little bit more comfortable so those are good things um the official actually was able to meet with the country director, MAF's country director, and uh, confirmed that Ryan is able to spend an hour outside every day. Good. Um, some of the uh, another thing that we didn't know that would be such a huge encouragement for a guy like Ryan and and uh, the two men that are with him um, was that they're able to spend that hour together, and they are able to eat breakfast together. Willem and Eric. Um, they enjoy each other's company and get some sunshine and fresh air. So that's that's an encouragement. These are good things. They're small things, um, but also just letting Ryan know that he's not forgotten. Um, they also can deliver letters. So in the last visit, he got a whole bunch of letters from people who hmm. um, had just sent him encouraging notes to say, hey, we are remembering you in prayer. You're not forgotten. Um, and then late last week, the U.S. ambassador uh, was able to privately discuss the situation, I think, with the prison director. So um, they're really pleased that somebody is making some noise about the situation. Um, basically, we don't want his situation and Willem and Eric to just slide off the radar screen. Right, right. So continue to pray, continue to, um, uh, you know, to speak to your congressional delegation uh, delegation uh, on his behalf to say we want to th- let the Mozambique government know that um, we're watching the situation, that we do think um, he needs to be released. Yeah. Keep, um, be praying towards that end. Keeping their feet to the fire. And I, I love the fact he was getting letters. Uh, I assume you have the link to Mission Aviation Fellowship. Of course, people can find that online. Get the mailing yep. address and maybe also send a note of encouragement to to Ryan. Yep, there are uh, several links that we have. 
uh, in the article, and also you can find them at MAF. And uh, any any word that can be sent is a huge encouragement to someone. Um, I wanted to point out that you know on this side of everything with Andrew Brunson when he was in a prison in Turkey, and uh, and he'd been moved around a couple times and nobody knew knew where he was. He felt very isolated and yeah. cut off, and uh, it was extremely discouraging to think that he was just going to languish by himself uh, with no one knowing where he was or anyone knowing his situation to be praying for it. And yet the global body was praying and speaking up on his behalf, and it made a difference. Once he actually got those letters and was informed that there were so many people who were praying for him and it was you know, shown the articles that were coming out on his behalf, it was a huge boost to his morale, and it helped him steady the ship, basically. Um, it was just a, a physical reminder that he wasn't forgotten, and it reminded him of that that thing that is the bond in the body of Christ. Agreed. We're talking again with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News here on Mornings with Carmen. And you just mentioned Turkey because that's where Andrew Brunson was. Well, Turkey has had their made had them in Syria the major problems over the last few weeks because of these continued earthquakes in eastern Turkey, northwestern um Syria that continued to devastate. And you've had several articles up already. We want to highlight well first off you know some people it, it, there's enough people in poverty there but even still there's other communities within the area that seem to fall through the cracks and you bring out an article regarding those of the deaf community. Well imagine what happens to a person who can't hear? You go through a major disaster like this, you don't know where anybody is, or if you're under the rubble, you don't know if anybody's looking for you. There's just no way to communicate because you just you can't hear anything in in your in the way that you communicate. All of that is cut off. And Door International was talking about this. They brought this to our attention and basically said that, uh, you know, even when they are found, uh, the rescuers can't communicate with the deaf. And they mm. kind of look deaf survivors because a lot of efforts are are trying to um, uh, involving making sound or listening for sounds. And uh, this is just not the same kind of access for people who have hearing disabilities. Um, but it was really interesting because they indicated that um, a child of a deaf adult was strongly encouraging rescue workers to learn basic sign language because they are encountering deaf people in the rubble. Um, there are people that are volunteering to step up and try to work uh, among the rescue crews, although at this stage, you know, the people that may have survived the original quake may not be alive any longer. However, with the most recent aftershock, it was a 6.4, but it was an aftershock, um, more buildings collapsed. And yeah. so there are more people who are buried under the rubble. And uh, so there are some deaf um, people who are, are fluent in sign language who are looking for uh, those who can't hear. Um, continue to be praying because uh, Doors team while they they haven't had any um, any deaths on their team, uh, they're looking for ways to be able to plug in and assist where they can in these situations because they have the ability to communicate uh, with those who who can't hear. Again, talking with Ruth Kramer, and when we come back, I want to stay in Turkey for a little longer because, as I've been thinking about these these issues here and how we as Americans as Christians can send help. I want us to think about who we're sending to help 
through and who we're sending it to. So we'll continue this conversation in just a few moments. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen's off until Monday. I'm Paul filling in and talking with Ruth Kramer. And we're staying on that uh, Turkish-Syrian border area that got struck by the earthquakes just a couple of weeks ago and still dealing with aftershocks. Uh, Ruth, it took a longer time for help to get to Syria uh, for political reasons because of the Civil War, obviously. But finally, help is getting there. Well... Uh, the physical help is getting yeah. there. Um, I think what we need to remember is there is going to come a point where the first aid teams, the first responders are going to pack their stuff up and leave. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have all these shell-shocked survivors trying to figure out how to live a new normal. Um, they've lost loved ones. They've lost homes. It It's a different kind of fear than uh, surviving uh, a war. Because this is something, I mean, you don't have a lot of control over a war anyway, but you have even less control over natural disasters. And um, it's just bringing back all of these psychological traumas. And this is something where um, other ministries can kind of lean into this space because the body of Christ is responding. The body of Christ has been severely persecuted in Syria, and yet it does exist. And some of the leadership is getting training for psychological first aid, basically, at the MENA Leadership Center. Um, those classes have actually started on uh, how to meet some of those spiritual, emotional, and psychological needs from trauma survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, that Those classes actually started today. And so it's something where um, there's, uh, there's teaching on how to take care of other people and how to take care of themselves as the responders. Because so many times you see these first responders or second wave responders or any kind of responders being completely overwhelmed by the scale of urgent need. Um, and they just don't have anything left to give. And so it is important for these um, people who are attending to psychological first aid to take care of themselves. And, mm-hmm. and it's okay to do that. And that's something that the Mina Leadership Center is actually teaching these church leaders how to do that. They are going to be the literal hands and feet of Christ on the ground in a quake zone dealing with all kinds of stuff um, of, of trauma. Uh, of a scale that I don't think any of us can actually imagine. And um, they just needed some some help in, in learning how to do that. So be praying for that because these are going to become gospel opportunities. Um, what we're seeing throughout that whole region is an opportunity for the body of Christ to respond to so many of these needs. And, and, and they, they take 
a lot of different forms. You know, you see what's happening in Turkey. You see what's happening in Syria. In Lebanon, where the quakes are also being felt, the people in Lebanon are reliving the trauma of the 2020 port explosion. Oh, in yeah. fact, a lot of people thought that there was another explosion. So mm. when this aftershock hit, people ran out of their homes and just crowded into the streets and they caused massive traffic jams all throughout Beirut because they didn't want to be inside buildings yeah. because they thought it was another uh, they thought it was another explosion, not realizing it was another quake. And the folks in Lebanon are feeling overwhelmed by this, the tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. They're so tired of hearing bad news. So our partners in Lebanon are basically saying, pray for us because we are injecting hope into the situation, but we can only do so much because we only have so many people and we only have so much energy. Be praying for the folks that are responding to all of these needs because they're just massive and um, and <laughs> – Human strength only goes so far. Right. This brings up a bigger question or a bigger issue to me or I shouldn't say issue but idea because oftentimes, you know, we, we, we like working – not that these large organizations, uh, Christian relief agencies are bad to work with. No, they're not. They're great. But in the end, are we also empowering the – like Mina is trying to do, empower these local churches, these local believers to be the hands and feet in Christ in their community and hopefully – out of this dark situation, life and light can come. And do we do we think that way here in America? I, I know it's great to have the big hero come in, but sometimes a lot of little acts of love go a long way. Absolutely. That's the whole that's why we talk about all of these other organizations is because they're not Samaritan's Purse. They're not World Vision. They're not the big guys with multi-million dollar budgets. These are the guys that are coming in and saying, "Okay, we're going to train the few who who lead the many." Mm. And we're going to to prepare them and give them as many tools as we can to deal with the situation as best they can. Right. But there's always you always hear about, you know, the harvest is ready and and the workers are few. Um, and and it's a situation very much like that right mm -hmm. now. In all of these crisis situations, um, you have a few workers who are being prepared to harvest, but it's just overwhelming due yeah, to was, the people and their needs. It, we got to remember, God oftentimes has harvesters already in those areas, and it's it's so incumbent upon us to empower them if we can. So uh, we got to quickly, there's two more issues I want to try. We're going to have to go really quick, Ruth. Um, Moldova, there's been some issues there. Um, there's been some threats of Russia trying to topple the government there. And there, this has impact on the church in that country. Explain. It's actually connected to the situation in Ukraine. Moldova is really concerned that Russia is going to try to take over um, and that they're behind the coup that just took place where the government basically quit. Um, the situation is uncertain, to say the least, and Slava Gospel Association is watching it very carefully. The church leaders that they're working with are very concerned, but it's not going to stop them uh, from being the hands and feet of Christ, basically from leading their churches and instructing the people that they work with in God's word, um, because that's what's going to sustain them in times of real uncertainty. Um, this is a similar situation in Belarus because there's concern that Russia is going to try to take over Belarus. Basically, we're looking at um, concerns from all of the former Soviet states looking at Russia saying Russia is making noises about trying to basically reform Mother Russia. 
and she's calling the Cubs home. And uh, all of the churches are really concerned about what's going on there. They're asking us to pray in that situation that they would have wisdom, uh, that they would be able to respond uh, quickly, and really that um, we can stand firm with them uh, in their faith, um, that they aren't not that they aren't going to be forgotten. Okay, now we started in Africa. Let's go back to Africa. Nigeria, they have some elections coming up. And what would that mean for the church there, which has been increasingly persecuted? Well, basically, you've got the two front runners of the presidential elections that are both Muslims. Um, will they be able to do anything better to protect the Christians? That's an un, you know, when when you had the last series of elections, the president came in and said, OK, I'm a Muslim, but I'm going to do what I can to protect the Christians. because This isn't right. We need to protect them from the insurgents. And that has not occurred. In fact, it's gotten worse under uh, Muhammadu Buharu, uh, Buharu's uh, regime. And it's been really frustrating for believers in Nigeria because it just feels like nobody is holding the government accountable and the government is acting like its hands are tied. Uh, in trying to deal with the insecurities and the, the basic, the radical Muslim violence that's occurring. Uh, continue to pray because uh, the the body of Christ is not being silent. They are standing up. They are continuing to advance the gospel and people aren't responding. There are still a lot of unreached, unreached uh, people groups in Nigeria. And uh, there's an urgency now that seems to be fueling what the body of Christ is doing in in uh, Nigeria. So be praying. Um, we have a lot of partners that are working in that area. Uh, we have a lot of partners trying a lot of different things with varying degrees of success because of the situation with the insurgency. Um, so be praying wisdom. And we don't always know, you know, when we say pray for safety, if that's actually what they want. But we want them to be safe long enough to be able to advance the gospel um, and and to be used as a light um, in a very dark time. Yeah, usually they're praying, God, give us boldness. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. hey, Ruth, thank you. And I encourage you, if you ever are looking for any of this information, it is at uh, missionnews.org. That and. Oh, so much more. You and your team, Ruth, do a great job of covering what, what's happening in the world, the persecuted church, and, well, everything we've talked about here. I mean, you do a great job. So thank you. Thank you. All right. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul. Or you're, you're listening to Faith Radio. Well, again, thank you for joining us here on Faith Radio and Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen this week. And today, Ash Wednesday, the start of Lenten season. If you're looking to do something different this year, join us. It starts today. Reading the Bible Together, our Lenten series. We talked about it yesterday with Angela Smith. Check it out, though. All the information gets signed up at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.